Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Travis Ryder. Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, Henry. Very excited to be here today. Today's conversation is going to be all about employee background checks. It's something that Travis is an expert in, and it's what his business does. Uh, so what are they exactly? What is a, a background check? And and when and how should you use them to help you make better hiring decisions for your small business? That's what we're going to focus on today on this episode. To receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode, and you really want to go there because we're going to have a special offer from Travis on background checks, and also how you can continue supporting my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowofbusiness.com. I also encourage you to please subscribe to my show anywhere you're listening to this show so you don't miss any new episodes. So Travis Ryder is the co-owner and operator of Perfect Fit Background Checks, an employment screening company based out of Austin, Texas. Prior to launching Perfect Fit, Travis worked in sales and account management at software technology companies, ranging from small, fast-growing startups to large Fortune 500 companies. He was motivated by the flexibility and opportunity, though, that comes with small business ownership. And he and his partner, Rachel Sperling, purchased Perfect Fit background checks in early 2021, acquiring a software platform and a support team with 15 years of experience in this industry. Perfect Fit Background Checks focuses on supporting small and medium-sized businesses with personal support and affordable prices. It really is priced at a price point that we can afford as small business owners for background checks. They also give a portion of their profits to organizations creating opportunities and providing re-entry services for people with criminal records. Travis lives in the Austin, Texas area. Once again, Travis Ryder, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. All right. So before we get into background checks, though, it's always interesting to me the the journey. And so let's let's start with if I got it right, one of your first jobs was as a painter's assistant. Is that true? <laughs> yes. Uh working through high school and, and a part of college. Uh, I see. Yeah, you know, working at my uncle's uh body shop. So um probably the biggest takeaway from that was uh just taking pride in my work. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things that when the customer comes to pick up their car after we've repaired it after an accident, uh, your your work is very directly tied to the results and you kind of see the customer's uh, delight or mm. dissatisfaction. Good point. Uh, yeah. Because they don't see the structural things. They see immediately what the, how it looks, how it looks immediately. Is it shiny? Is it not? Right. Yeah. So repairing the car is important, but uh, making sure that uh, the overall impression is uh, is there too. So making sure that it's washed up is almost as important as repairing the thing. Yeah. Now, this was your uncle's business, you said? It was, yes, and still is actually. Was that your first exposure, at least that way, directly? Uh, or did you have other family members? Were your parents business owners? Uh, it, it's my first experience with someone close to me that was a business owner. What was your impression, if you can think back to then? Did you think I want no part of this because of all the headaches he has to deal with, or this is intriguing, or it didn't impact you either way at that point in time? <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. I mean, we we definitely had days where, uh, you know, things were tough, and 
you had days where it, it was awesome. Uh, so that's, that's part of the deal when you decide to be an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And then, so then you started your career after college. What did you study in school? I studied economics uh, hmm. and had a minor in uh, business foundations, which was uh, a program at, at UT where we kind of got one class in every business discipline. Uh, so a little all over the board, but yeah. uh, a good foundation. So what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, uh, so I was a math nerd in high school and uh, and then working in a car shop. Uh, the, the natural thought was, well, I'll go be a mechanical engineer. So I actually uh -huh. started studying in a mechanical engineering uh, learn more about the actual career space and what, you know, day-to-day -day job life would be and decided that that was not what I wanted to do. And that's when I made the shift over to, to economics. Yeah. But then early on, you, you worked as a web uh, in web design and then eventually went into sales and account management, correct? Right. So that was my first experience, uh, as a, a quote unquote entrepreneur. Uh, right. Cause guess, that was your own web design business that you started. Right, right. So that was uh, just kind of happened, which I think maybe happens for a lot of entrepreneurs. They just kind of stumble into it. Um, mm -hmm. but my my girlfriend at the time, her father owned a business. Uh, his website was a relic of the early days of the internet, <laughs> complete with the waving American flag gif on the homepage. <laughs> Uh, he asked if I knew how to build websites, but I I didn't, but I told him no, but I'd be willing to learn. And so he was like, great, would love to work with someone that I know and trust. So he bought me the software. I went to work learning how to operate uh, Dreamweaver and Photoshop and all those tools. Uh, and then went on to to rebuild his website as well as uh, a few other projects for him and, and another client. So you did that for about four years or so. And, and then what happened? Did you, did the clients kind of dry up or did you sell it or shut it down? What, what happened to that business? Well, so I I knew that that wasn't something that I wanted to do in the long term. Okay, um, I I knew entrepreneurship was something that I was interested in, um, but that wasn't it. Uh, and and I stopped taking new jobs for that uh, shortly after graduating. Uh, but I also recognized that whenever I was ready to launch the right business, which wasn't at that point, I would need the right idea. I would need capital, and I would need more experience. So. Uh, decided the the best route was to go into the workforce. And that's how I ended up in technology sales. Got it. Got it. It's interesting. The reason I ask a lot about that is often what happens, uh, people will try a business, it doesn't work. And then that sours them to the whole idea of ever owning a business again, right? It doesn't sound like that was your experience. You just realized that's not that one, that business wasn't going to go anywhere necessarily you kind of had to put yourself in a different position and come up with a different idea, but you did feel like you would go back into business for yourself at some point. I did. And, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend's father that I'd built some websites for was very encouraging in that regard too. He had always told me that, uh, my mindset and my motivation to learn would make me a natural entrepreneur. So, mm -hmm. uh, he, he definitely watered that seed that was already in my head. Yeah. Uh, so the excitement was there, uh, just had to get a few pieces in place before making the plunge. All right. So you're in sales and account management, uh, similar to how I was probably making, you were probably making pretty darn good money. What, what leads you to explore buying a business? And then we'll talk about why this business in particular. 
Yeah, so uh, you're right. Uh, there definitely was the attraction of making good money. So uh, as I mentioned, one of the three factors I needed was having having capital and money to invest whenever the right opportunity came along. Sales can be a great place to do that. Mm -hmm. Austin is a great place for that. Uh, there's right. a very vibrant technology sales industry here. And it's generally a, a young workforce as well, which was attractive. Uh, so went to work on that, starting to build that nest egg to, to be ready. And as you mentioned in the intro, worked at uh, a few different companies of various sizes, various cultures, was exposed to a lot of different types of business uh, situations that uh, ultimately was very attractive for uh, feeling confident uh, mm -hmm. to start my own venture. Yeah, it, it did that for me as well. You know, when you're doing that type of sales, enterprise sales, although it is, of course, where we're looking at how large corporations uh, maybe do or larger corporations do things. I know I was able to take away a lot of those best practices that I still apply in a way. I'm, in fact, I think it has helped me apply kind of that corporate approach of systems and technology to a small business. I suspect it's been the same for you. For sure. And, uh, you know, the large corporate experience may be a little different, but uh, they didn't get large and successful by accident. Mm -hmm. So th there's plenty of takeaways there, for, even for small businesses. Yeah. So why background checks? Was it just a matter of opportunity or is it a, an in I can't imagine it was industry you were necessarily passionate about. How did you end up buying this business? Sure. And that's a common question that I get. Uh, I admittedly was not familiar with background checks before this. Uh, I started where I suspect that most people start when thinking about owning a business, which was thinking about hobbies or things that I enjoy and how I could mm -hmm. turn that into a business. And there were always ideas floating around. Uh, the, the one that was most persistent was having a board game cafe. I love board games. <laughs> and you know what could be more fun than just having coffee and drinks and playing board games all the time and helping other people do the same. But if um, one could only make some good money doing that, I'm, not, I'm saying that derogatorily, but it's a challenge to make money with that business model. It is very tough. Yes. And, uh, and really it's not the type of business that I'm interested in. So, mm. uh, this was kind of a, a pivotal point in the process for me. My brother who was also shopping for a business at the time mm. recommended a book that really changed my perspective. Uh, it was called buy then build mm -hmm. how acquisition entrepreneurs outsmart the startup game. Uh, it's a book by Walker Dibel. And there were a couple of things that it really changed my perspective on. And one was to buy a business instead of uh, starting from scratch. So one of the benefits there is you have uh, a business with a proven track record that's been around, has a, uh, a machine in place to already generate revenue. You're not starting from scratch and kind of risking the high failure rate that new businesses face. Um, and then the second big takeaway for me was not to look for hobbies or interest as a starting point. Mm -hmm. So uh, it really changed my perspective on understanding, okay, well, what are some of the characteristics that I want in a business? An in-person cafe was not that. Uh, an online flexible business was more in the realm. And then also as part of that equation is understanding what skills do you bring to the table and look for a business that uh, would benefit from the skills that you have so that you can take it and grow it and improve it. So uh, those were kind of two of the big factors that mm -hmm. uh, that we were working with. So my fiance, Rachel, is also my business partner. Uh, her experience is in PR, advertising, and branding, and my experience in sales and account management. 
led us to this business. My brother that I mentioned was also shopping was the one that actually stumbled upon the opportunity. And he sent it my way. I was like, Hey, this, this kind of sounds like it matches all the things that you're looking for. And sure enough, it, it was the right fit. So, um, that's, that's when we decided to, to proceed. Yeah. Good, great stuff. Thanks for sharing that. Some tremendous insights there. So I appreciate you, you sharing that because it is, you know, we, we often, what we get, what we hear a lot about is, Oh, what are you passionate about or pursue your passions? And, and I always struggled with that because that wasn't the path I had taken, not necessarily purposefully. I'd been more opportunistic in my, in my businesses. So you know, I've owned, owned everything from I've been in the car wash business to own a pizza franchise to a sweet salon business to a co-working space. Now, there's no common thread except for they're just there were the right opportunities. What I'm passionate about, as I like to say, is business, building a business. Now, there's got to be certain things about it that I am going to be a fit for, like you articulated, that I'm going to enjoy. And so those things come into play. But but thanks for sharing that because that's such a mindset shift. And also the big thing is. I think that most people assume the only route is to create your own, but there are tremendous opportunities out there to buy an existing business, right? Absolutely. And and more now than ever, really, mm-hmm. because there are a ton of uh, people in the boomer generation that are business owners and they're, you know, trying to figure out how to sell their business, you know, kind of move into the retirement phase. Uh, so really, there's more opportunity now in terms of buying a business than ever before. Agreed. All right. One last question here, then we'll dive into background checks. What, being a business owner now, as you have been for some time, what does it do for you? What 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 is it that it provides you to be your own boss? I, I think that it's uh, what attracts a lot of people. So primarily the, the flexibility uh, in terms of perks of uh, you know, being a, an entrepreneur versus working for someone else. But uh, I think that it's really a good fit for my personality and uh, it's really fulfilling for me. Uh, I'm the type of person that wants to understand how everything works mm. and then take the next step of, okay, well, if it works this way, how could it work a little bit better? Uh, so wearing 20 hats and having to understand, you know, uh, managing and building a website, marketing, advertising, sales, all those different things that small business owners uh, have have to learn a little bit about and and manage. Uh, it's not something that's scary or intimidating. It's something that I absolutely delight in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing that. All right, let's get into background checks. Before I do so, just a quick disclaimer. You know, the, we're, we're touching on what can be legal uh, areas here or an area as it relates to background checks where there might be regulations where your business is. So we're just sharing general advice and guidance and experience, but you should always consult with your attorney about any of these types of things related to background checks before you implement them. I'm not attorney, an attorney. Travis is not an attorney. So be sure to get that legal counsel wherever it is that you seek it before you implement these things that we're going to talk about. Let's start with this question, Travis, high level when we say background checks, what are we talking about? Yeah. So when, when you define anything, there's kind of three different ways that it can be defined. And I like to do that for background checks. You can talk about literally what it is. You can talk about what the value is that it provides to you. And you can talk about what it's not because a lot of times things are defined as much by what they are not as they're defined by what they are. So as a literal definition, most people think of background checks as being uh, checking criminal records. 
And that is uh, kind of a core piece of it. And, uh, and I would say that most people do include a criminal record check as part of their background check. But it also includes a, a range of other employment screening services as well. Um, so we have a few hundred different options, including some pretty niche or regional uh, type services. But uh, some of the more popular ones would be like driving history checks, um, occupational health screening or drug testing, um, professional reference interviews, uh, as well as uh, verification of work and education history. Mm -hmm. What does occupational health screenings mean? So that's going to be for physically demanding jobs. So uh, it, it would be like a physical test uh, if you have, uh, you know, a job that involves heavy lifting. Uh, so this is generally going to be like our, our construction company customers will do this where it'll be a physical exam, okay. be an eyesight exam and uh, an audio exam as well. Got it. Because yeah, I think that's a little thing which a little bit... Um not as uh, indicative in the title background. It's not necessarily something that's happened in the past, but it's also partly testing like drug testing or physical ability testing to make sure that you can perform a certain job. Right, right. Yeah. So give me a little bit about what it's not. So what they are not is they're not a moral litmus test to determine if someone is a good person or a bad person. So it's important as a tool to you as a business owner uh, to help you mitigate risk and make sure that, uh, you know, a candidate that you're considering for a position is a good fit and that by placing them in that role, you're not creating unnecessary risk. So uh, in, in that perspective, uh, you want to have a background check package that's appropriate for the role. Uh, it's something that you know, most businesses are trying to get you to buy as much as possible. We, we are not. Uh, we want you to run what's appropriate for the role and um, and that's it. So, uh, and that may be different for each role, right? So mm -hmm. if you have uh, someone that, that needs to operate heavy machinery as part of their role, um, then, you know, you want to make sure that you uh, have an appropriate package for that. So they may be one that uh, running a drug test is an appropriate part of. If you have someone that's working behind a desk, maybe, maybe not. Right. Um, yeah. So that's one part. The other thing that they're not is they're not a consumer grade background check. Uh, so this is something uh, that you may see uh, my, at least my mom sees them on social, uh, social networks. <laughs> she often asks me, she's like, well, I see this, uh, this company truth finder on my Facebook is they, do they do the same thing as you? And I'm mm. no, that that's, that's a little different. Uh, mm. And so the, the distinction there is going to be uh, whether or not the company is uh, a credit reporting agency. And so that's a CRA. There will be a notice that they have to put up on their website that says that they're not. Uh, and they're really for people that are curious. Uh, they can access public records and share those with you. Um, but legally, you can't, you can't use that for employment purposes. So uh, it should be pretty obvious if you end up on one of their websites. Um, but that, that's not what we do. Understood. And and part of the background checks you do do not include credit related checks is or is, can that be part of what I get as part of the package? So there are some uh, background check vendors that offer a number of other services, and those may be, uh, you know, a credit check as well. Uh, the, the closest thing that we offer to that is going to be uh, a search to see whether or not uh, a person has filed for bankruptcy or sure. has any judgments or liens against them. And generally, when someone adds that to a package, it's when uh, they're hiring for someone 
uh, maybe like a, a CFO or someone that's mm-hmm. going to be managing money or, or financial planning for a company. Right. Because that could lead me to, uh, uh, you know, perhaps uh, that person might be tempted or has shown a probability to not know how to manage money well, or it might be motivated in the wrong way, those kinds of things. Yeah. Right. Exactly. This is Henry Lopez briefly pausing this episode to invite you to join me for one of my next live online workshops. During these interactive workshops, I cover a specific topic that will help you with starting and growing your small business. Just visit the howofbusiness.com to learn more and to register. If you need help creating an effective business plan, for example, to start your first small business, then my next business plan workshop may be just what you need. Or perhaps you need help completing your financial projections for your new business. Well, I have a workshop for that too. And if you're already operating your business, then you can probably benefit from learning how to better manage the cash in your business by attending my cash flow management online workshop. These are just a few of the workshops that I currently offer. And I keep these workshops to a small number of participants so that we have the time to answer all of your questions. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there with one of my online workshops. To find out more and to register for a live online workshop, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to having you join me for my next workshop. In your experience, and again, we're not providing legal advice here, but my understanding is that if I am requiring a background check for a certain position, one of the things that I when I, I should do this because it's the right thing to do, but I think also there's legalities that come into place, that I have to apply that um, consistently. In other words, I can't cherry pick. Well, for you, I want you to do the background check. You, I trust you, so you don't have to do it. I have to be very careful with that. Has that been your general observation as to the best practice? Yeah, so there's there's nuance, like I mentioned. Uh, you may have different types of background checks for mm-hmm. different roles, right? Um, but you should apply that consistently for for any given role. Um, running a background check of that has specific searches for this or that, uh, it should not vary based on the specific applicant. Right, right, because then. First of all, it's the wrong way to do it, but that can lead to then a legitimate, and in my opinion, accusation of you're being selective here. Why did you do that? Is it based on how I look that you determined that? And that's wrong uh, in many ways. All right, let's go back to when and why. You talk about risk mitigation. We've been talking about that. In some industries, I want to elaborate a little bit more on that. In some industries, it's required, right? Right. And if you are working in one of these industries, it's most likely that, that you're already familiar with this. Right. Um, but this this would be like financial services, childcare, healthcare, uh, a lot of government agencies, it's required. Um, so if you're in one of those spaces, you likely know it. Um, if, if you're not required, uh, there's there's still lots of reasons that, that make sense and, and are beneficial for you to, mm-hmm. to run these. How do you help people determine what mix of checks, what package makes best sense for them? Sure. So uh, as we mentioned at the top, uh, it's something that is, this this gets into legal advice. So you definitely want to be consulting with uh, with your counsel on this. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to talk with customers and explain what different searches are for, what types of risk they may uh, help mitigate. Uh, and then that may help them understand like, okay, what's appropriate for this role. But yeah, that it's, it's one of those things that, uh, 
we put together what's appropriate. There are a few standard packages that are very common that, that you'll find like presented on our website uh, that, that cover the basic stuff like criminal history, uh, sex offender lists. Uh, and then from there, you kind of build on what what is that person doing for that role? Mm-hmm. All right, let's touch on that a little bit more, how, how it actually works. You're you're checking multiple databases, multiple things that are going on, assuming I, you know, I have a comprehensive background check. Can you tell me a little bit about more about that? What what are these different areas and for lack of a better term, databases that you're checking as you're performing this background check? Sure. So a lot of the uh, different data sources that we're referencing are going to be publicly available uh, data sources. There are some uh, private databases as well that we're able to access. Um, but whenever you're using a vendor like us, uh, for a lot of this, it's the convenience uh, and having the ability to do this quickly and uh, not having to go to a lot of different places uh, to, to pull searches on a specific applicant. So that's a lot of the value that, that we provide uh, is, is the ease and access. Um, so what'll happen is whenever you want to place an order, nowadays, most people will use an, an invitation method, as we call it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, when you have your applicant, you'll uh, input our, into our system, like the name, the email address, and the phone number for the applicant. And then we take the process from there. Uh, so we'll reach out to the applicant by email as well as by text if you provided the phone number and let them know, hey, company XYZ is requesting a background check for this role that you've applied for. And at that point, when they click the link, then uh, we'll present them with the appropriate forms and uh, everything that they need to sign off on electronically. And then they'll provide their personal information that we need to then go and uh, run the searches for the package. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, in, in, in addition to, like you said, this is mostly publicly available data that I'd have to go piece together. But I think there's also tremendous benefit, not only just to that convenience and putting it together in one report. I think there's a lot of value to it being performed outside of my business so that there is no implication or even opportunity for any bias in doing so. Sure, sure. Yes. And uh, so part of that, uh, you know, we we will have a full record of uh, all the orders that you've placed, as well as uh, housing all of the the paperwork, the different authorizations and disclosures that, that the applicants will sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How long does it usually take? So uh, it's uh, that fun answer of it depends. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Let's say you're, you're, you're uh, I think you call it your standard package. Is that right? The, mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about that. So that, that package there typically, how long does it take? So most of the time that's going to be uh, around 24 to 48 hours. Okay. Uh, and so Two things that will influence how long it takes is uh, the where the person has lived, uh, as well as what types of searches or, or services you have included in your package. So uh, the location with the county criminal search, um, the county is where the vast majority of records live when you're talking about criminal records. Uh, there are state criminal records and federal criminal records, um, but the vast majority live at the county level. That's included in the standard package. And, uh, it's, it's really the foundation to, uh, a, a good, a good package. Um, so different counties will, uh, they may be digitized or they may not be. So if, if they have digital records, 
that's really fast. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're going to ping their database with the information, get it back quickly. It'll go to our QA team to, to review it. And we could have that back, um, you know, in less than an hour sometimes. Mm. Some counties, uh, as you would guess, uh, typically it's more rural counties. Mm -hmm. They may not have digitized their records yet. So in those cases, we're sending a court runner out to the courthouse. Uh, and in that case, they may have a self-serve digital terminal on site where we could mm -hmm. get those records and have those back within a day for review. But also uh, some of them don't have a, a self-serve terminal. So in those cases, uh, it, it's pretty rare, but um, there are some counties out there where we have to uh, place a request with the clerk wow. and it could take days or in, in worst case scenarios, even a couple of weeks to, to get that data. Yeah. And that, that's just kind of a, the, the nature of it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, something that, that all background check vendors have to deal with in those areas. Excellent. All right. So thanks for that. Going back to the, the drug testing and occupational health test. So do you facilitate that? Uh, with local providers or how does that work? Yeah. And so, so that's not uh, a service that we're directly offering. Uh, right. So we, we do partner with clinics that, that do offer those services. Uh, so if you do have that included in your package, that will be included in the experience for the applicant. Mm -hmm. So as they uh, provide their personal information to run whatever searches are being run, then they'll be taken to a portal where it'll show them the the clinics that are in their area uh, to help them uh, decide on what's closest for them to to schedule a time to go in and get those services completed. But again, me as a business owner, I don't have to worry about that. You're facilitating all of that. You've identified who those providers are in that area. And so I don't have to take, I don't have to do any of that work as the business owner. Exactly. So as the business owner, once you've sent out that invitation, uh, from there, you're basically just waiting for email updates. Yeah. So you can go into the into your uh, account with us and kind of see the status of each individual search within a package if you wanted to along the way. Um, but otherwise, uh, you're getting emails along the way. If there's something that uh, needs to be addressed uh, in, in the middle of the process, you'll get an email. Otherwise, then you'll get an email once it's done. It's like, hey, here's the, the finished report. It's attached to the email. Yeah. All right. Let me, uh, I'll come back to some other considerations. So let's, I'm going to jump to pricing. What, what are we talking about here is the price point for that standard package that we referred to? Yeah. So the standard package, uh, this is the one that you'll see as the most popular package on our website. It's $24. Um, I, I will take a quick moment to note that we do have a basic package listed on our website that one's only $16. Uh, we generally don't recommend that package. We didn't even have it listed at first, but uh, it's something that most vendors do have that uh, mm. package on their website and it created confusion when people were trying to, to sure. compare. Um, but notably, that one doesn't include the county criminal search. Uh, huh. And as we mentioned, that's that's really where the vast majority of records live. So uh, the standard package, that's $24. Uh, and that's, you know, what you're paying for, for our service. Uh, there's a chance that, uh, there could be some fees that, uh, get added into that and that will all depend on where the applicant has lived. So the, the first thing that we do with that package is we run, uh, an address history to understand where they lived. And so we look back seven years, we see, okay, they've lived in XYZ counties. Those are the counties that we go to to pull records. Now, it, it varies. Uh, some counties charge a fee to access that data. Uh, most counties don't. But if they do, that's something that that fee just gets passed along to you. 
Sure. This is something that's consistent across the industry. Every, every vendor will be doing that. I don't believe anyone marks up those fees, but it does create some variability and mm-hmm. what the final price could be. Uh, okay. And um, there are, are there any like membership fees, initial upfront fees, minimal or minimum uh, orders, anything like that? Uh, no, with, with perfect fit, we, we don't have any kind of sign up fees or subscription fees. Uh, I know a lot of businesses are very gung ho about subscription models these days. Uh, it's not something that, that we believe in. So, uh, you can set up an account for free with us and we don't charge any setup fees. Um, you just place an order whenever you need to place an order and, uh, pay for it at that point. Uh, so that's something that we're very proud of. Um, and we just think it's how business should be done. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to then the, the special offer we have for our listeners. So the standard package that we've just been referring to that's priced at $24, at least as the base price. Again, you might have, you might incur some other fees in some cases, but that first standard background check is free for the How a Business listeners. And to get that, what you have to do is just use the link that will be on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. If you use that link, what will happen is you will still have to put in a credit card. You'll be charged the $24, but then when Travis processes that order, he will credit that $24 back to your credit card. Correct, Travis? Uh, exactly, yes. So take advantage of that opportunity. You know, there's no commitment. There's no, you know, there's very little risk or downside. If you're if you're not happy with who you're currently using or you're not using anybody now, or you're thinking the business you're going to start, you will need or want background checks. This is a, a great opportunity. Again, go to the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com to take advantage of that special free on your first standard package background check. All right, uh, let's go back to a few miscellaneous things here uh, and considerations as well. You, you mentioned um, the Fair Credit Reporting Act compliance. How does that come into play here beyond the obvious as it relates to background checks? Yeah, the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, is uh, the law that regulates our industry and uh, credit reporting agencies. And it's something that is uh, very serious and important to be familiar with and to abide by. Uh, Really, there are kind of two major takeaways here for for business owners to be familiar with. Um, We help with both of those. The first of the two is the authorizations and disclosures. So if you're going to run a background check on someone, uh, you legally have to get their permission and uh, get their authorization to do so. So that can vary slightly based on where the applicant is based or where the business is based. There are some uh, like municipalities or states that have special requirements. So uh, that's something that we take care of as long as you're using that invitation method. So the applicant will, uh, as part of the process, when they click the link, they'll provide their their information and their location. We'll give them the right forms uh, for them to to e-sign. Uh, so that's something to be aware of, but that we take care of on the invitation mm-hmm. method. Um, yeah, let me just interrupt there because that's that's great that you facilitate that one. Well, just to relate it to this, the way that that I've done that previously is on the application, the employment application. They are signing a, a short, you know, disclosure that allows us to do that. But this will be a much more formal and, of course, electronically recorded in part and kept in your database that they have authorized 
and that we've provided them the proper disclosures before we conduct the background check, correct? Right, exactly. Related to that, though, you 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 talk about this as well. We were chatting about this uh, when we first started chatting, that a lot of states, including, as I'm referring to in Colorado, it's called ban the box legislation. We used to have on our application a box that had to be checked. Have you ever been convicted of a crime or a felony, I think is the way it was worded. But in some states, and I believe it's Colorado as well, still, that's no longer allowed, right? That's your knowledge as well? Right. And this is something that is becoming more uh, widely popular and adopted, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's kind of uh, in a patchwork sense, if you will. So whether it's at the state level or at uh, the city level, and that stuff is changing all the time. If you're hiring remote employees, especially where you mm-hmm. may hire in a lot of different places, uh, a lot of companies have just kind of adopted this, uh, the ban the box method. Um across the board and trying to, instead of trying to understand, like, do we need it in this application or, or not this right. one? Right. Just eliminate um, it altogether. Really, it's, uh, you know, the same objective as uh, the FCRA, like they're really trying to protect the consumer here. Uh, and so they want to make sure that as an employer, that you're considering uh, the, the applicant's skills and their worthiness and ability to complete the role before you just immediately disqualify them right, uh, right. because of a criminal history. Right. It doesn't mean that I that I don't have the right anymore as an employer to uh, not hire someone with a criminal background. What it's helping with is that I don't immediately look at the application, see the checkbox, throw that application away, right? It's allowing that person an opportunity more so to be considered. I still have, uh, especially if that's my, if those are my policies, and and again, check with your legal counsel. All other things, uh, being uh, as they we think they are, uh, I still can can choose not to hire someone. Again, I have to apply that consistently, though, has been my experience. But this is just a matter of what I can or can't put on an application in specific. Correct. Right, and this coming back to like we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, run a check that's appropriate for the role and make your decisions based on what's appropriate for the role. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's going to impact their ability to perform uh, the job or uh, create an unnecessary risk, then by all means, that's important information. That's why you place the order. Um, but this kind of ties into the, the second big part of uh, the FCRA that our uh, business owners want to know about, which is how they handle adverse actions. Mm-hmm. So adverse action, that's whenever you're going to decide not to extend uh, an offer for the job or a promotion because of what comes back on the background check. So if that is the reason for your decision, then you have to follow the process of uh, sharing that information with the applicants. So you have to send them a, a copy of the of the report, and then you have to give them an option to review it and dispute the data on the report. So it's it's not very common, but anytime humans are involved, there's an opportunity for inaccuracies. And so there are times where someone will have uh, have a record that's not accurate. Maybe it was something that was tied to someone else with a similar name or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we always encourage our customers to reach out to us and our support team to help walk them through that process. Um, we do also have features in the platform to help facilitate that communication, the notifying the applicant, hey, here's a copy of your of your report. Here's what we found on it. Um, you know, this would impact your employability. Um, can you review it and and confirm or dispute it if you, if you need to? And so you also facilitate that dispute if that's what uh, 
that potential employee decides to do. Right. So if they do dispute the data on there, then one of our obligations uh, at Perfect Fit under the FCRA is that we have to uh, do a fair investigation and uh, try to establish whether or not that is accurate or inaccurate. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, once that judgment has been made, then the the employer can uh, proceed with with their decision. When I first moved to Dallas, to the Dallas area in 1989, applied for my Texas driver's license for the first time. And uh, I didn't get it. I got called in to meet with the sheriff and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what, what's going on here? And I go in to meet the sheriff and he looks at me and he looks down at a piece of paper that he had. But my challenge is I don't have a middle name, Henry Lopez. So you can only imagine, especially in Texas with, with a lot of, of Mexican immigrants, that name is very common, very common. <laughs> and he looked down at this rap sheet, I guess is what they call it of, several pages of uh, convictions for assault and burglary and so forth. But fortunately he had a picture and then he looked at me and says, okay, so this is not you, is it? And, uh, but that, those are the kind of things that could come up as an extreme example that then you would facilitate resolving if I dispute that as the prospective employee. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Good stuff to know. I'm going to put a link in the show notes page as well to that, I, I went in on, on um, the FCRA website and have a link to the site that covers employee background checks and your rights. It's really written from the perspective of the prospective employee, but I think it's one of those resources. As employers, we need to educate ourselves in addition to getting the right counsel on how we're going to implement these things in our business. Um, for a moment on confidentiality, doesn't this also help me using a service like yours with making sure I keep this information confidential and I have some obligations there as well, do I not? Uh, yes. So uh, this information, if, if you're going to be using a credit reporting agency like us to pull the information, uh, then yes, that, and that's part of what's covered in the authorizations and the disclosures forms that get presented uh, is them giving authorization to us as the CRA to pull that data and then authorization for us to then share it with the end user, which is going to be the the business owner. Um, so that's all covered by them giving the authorization for everyone that's going to access and view that information. Excellent. All right. Take advantage of the special offer. You'll get a credit back on the standard package when you uh, do your first background check through Perfect Fit background checks, you'll find the link, which is the key to this. That's how that's how Travis will know that you heard about this through the How a Business on the show notes page to the to this episode at thehowabusiness.com. All right, we'll start to wrap it up, but but tell us a little bit more. I, I know an important thing for you, as I mentioned in the bio, Travis, is is giving back, and tell us briefly how it is that you do that. Yeah, so we, we believe in conscious capitalism and think that it's really important for us to give back to the community. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that while background checks are an important part of responsible hiring, people with a criminal record do face tougher circumstances when finding employment. Um, and, you know, we strongly believe that everyone should have access to meaningful work. And we're proud to donate a portion of our profits to organizations that are actually doing that work on the ground and supporting reentry programs to to help folks that with that have a record to help find help them find a job. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. 
All right. You mentioned Buy Then Build. That's a book that's been recommended to me. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list to read. So thanks for that mention. Is there another book or is that the book that you were going to recommend? That was the one I was going to recommend just because okay. it was so pivotal and in, yeah. in the whole process. No, I imagine so. Yeah, that uh, I've heard a lot about it. So it's definitely on my list to read here soon. So thanks for that recommendation. I'll have a link to it as well on the show notes page. All right, let's wrap it up. What, what's one thing you want us to take away from a business owner's perspective on this topic of background checks? Yeah, so I think we've said it a few few times throughout the conversation, but um, while background checks are a very valuable risk mitigation tool that can help um, protect both employers and employees from problematic situations, they're not a moral litmus test to determine whether someone's good or bad. Um, so use them, but use them intentionally and responsibly. And tell me where you want to want us to go to learn more about Perfect Fit. So you can learn more about us at our website, uh, perfectfitbackgroundchecks.com. Uh, if you do sign up with us, uh, you will work with me directly at some point in the process, at least. Uh, and I'm always open to connecting with people. So if you want to connect with me directly, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Travis Ryder, and uh, looking forward to meeting some of your listeners here. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Travis, for sharing this information for the offer on uh, the credit on the first background check and for taking the time to, to be with me today here on the show. Yeah, thank you for hosting. Uh, very, very happy to be here. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Travis Ryder. I release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can listen and subscribe to my show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.